0: Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. You will remember, I hope, The Residence, great book about the White House written by Kate Anderson Brower. I think we have it as a book club podcast, if not... We'll change it and make sure you can get access to it. She has a brand new book. It's called The Grit and Glamour of an Icon, Elizabeth Taylor. Hey, Kate, congratulations. Thoroughly enjoying the book. Although I have to say, it seems like a departure for you. Three-year time investment, 250 interviews. How did this come about?
1: Well thanks Michael for having me. Um, you know, I, I it started with through my friendship with Senator John Warner, a Republican from Virginia. And, um, it, you know, as you say, it's been a labor of love. It's been over three years. And I was talking to my husband about a next book idea. And he said, well, what about Elizabeth Taylor? You could talk to John Warner. He's, she's the most famous wife of a senator, and she was an activist. And so uh, Senator Warner was lovely and really wanted her story to be told. They were, um, it was his sixth her sixth marriage was to John Warner, um, but they were still close years after their divorce. And he put me in touch with her children and the trustees of her estate who opened her archive to me of all of these incredible diary entries and love letters to uh, different husbands throughout the years.
0: So there's a, a sort of a scene that uh, I have in my head of you at the Warner's house. He's seated next to his, his then wife, Jean, and speaking openly about his relationship with elizabeth taylor and you said that she was as interested his then wife as you were to hear those stories
1: oh it was so surreal sitting there and listening to him talking about elizabeth campaigning for him and what you know the crowds would be just sort of shocked when she would walk in the room and she helped him immeasurably and you know and jean would sit there she's a real estate agent a lovely woman, and she got a kick out of the stories, too. You know, um, she thought some of them were funny. There were some times when Senator Warner would say things like, you know, Elizabeth really didn't drink that much. And Jean would kind of nudge him and say, come on, John. She did. You know, she kind of helped right. keep it real. The gatekeeper. <laughs> For us. Yeah.
0: So so how did that all begin? He gets a phone call. He, John Warner, not yet in the United States Senate, but a guy with a future, I, I guess he'd already been Naval Secretary. And the yeah. British ambassador says Elizabeth Taylor needs an escort to, to come to a dinner with the Queen.
1: Yeah, I mean, the most famous woman, you know, needs a date, basically. And he got wow. a call. Yeah. And, he you know, he didn't really know her before. And he goes and picks her up in his, you know, Buick. And she's, she is just enamored by him. She loves the idea of... Um, this farmer kind of gentleman. He had this big estate in Middleburg, Virginia, right outside of DC. Um and and they fell for each other that night at the bicentennial dinner, which he was in charge of organizing. So this was nineteen seventy six at the British Embassy, this beautiful black tie dinner, and Elizabeth was in full, you know, form. She ripped her dress at one point and the Queen herself had to help her. Um <laughs> so it was, you know, Elizabeth was very dramatic and Warner is someone who's very understated, and I think they complimented each other for a bit, but she absolutely hated being a senator's wife. And she said her years in Washington turned her into a drunk and a junkie.
0: She sold a Richard Burton diamond, I guess of which there were two, to f- help finance the Warner campaign for the Senate.
1: Yeah, she had, and she had to sell her yacht, too. I mean, the idea was he didn't want, it, you know, he thought it would look bad. And a lot of these letters between them that I found in her archive are really fascinating because, you know, she was ahead of her time on a lot of things, including gun control. And at one point she said to him, uh, you know, after Reagan was almost assassinated, that she was going to take out a, um, an ad in the New York Times calling for, you know, tougher gun restrictions. And, and the senator said, you know, I really, I don't think that's a good idea, Elizabeth. And so she did it anyway. But that was one of the things like it was this kind of push and pull between them because he's a Republican. She was very liberal. Um, So there's a lot of politics in the book,
0: too. Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, I, I knew of, but not in the detail that you describe, obviously, her her AIDS advocacy. Uh, and remembered vaguely uh, her emergence against the backdrop of Hinckley's attempted assassination of Reagan. Was she progressive in every sense of that word, what it means today in 2022?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, she was for gay marriage decades before anybody spoke about it. And, And she was very supportive of women even serving in the military. I mean, in terms of in combat. Um, she was ahead of her time, and it's so interesting to me that a lot of the issues she was dealing with, and what this book tries to show, her addiction, her lifelong opioid addiction, you know, these are issues that we're dealing with today. Um, so I think that's what makes the book relevant. and And one of my favorite things about her is just these letters where she just says, she just wants to be loved, and over and over again, she, you know, tells Richard Burton, um, a great, the great love of her life. She says, "Listen, I don't want the Tuesday emeralds and the Friday diamonds. I just want you." And there's like a vulnerability to her that I, I discovered in in these letters.
0: Here's a name that I I've not said in years, Larry Fortensky. <laughs> Larry Fortensky. Yeah. Oh my God. Where is? I hope he's still with us, but. No. It, remind everybody, who is Larry Fortensky?
1: So, uh, yeah, her final husband, they were married for a few years in the 90s. He was a construction worker, and she met him at Betty Ford. Um, she, he was much, much younger, a good-looking guy. But, you know, he had never been on a plane before he met Elizabeth. So here he is coming into this movie star's life. It just did not work. Um I think it's really sweet that, you know, when he was working, she would get ready at 6 a.m. with him, and he would have his construction, you know, uniform on, and they would have breakfast, and and then she would go back to bed. And she really liked being married to a working man. It was just so different for her. Um, but he, he did pass away. You know, he became, an you know, an addict again and struggled. Uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, she tried to help him. There are letters where she says, yeah. like, I'll do whatever you want, you know. But, um. And their their wedding at Neverland Ranch was just a circus. And I interviewed Marianne Williamson, who actually officiated at the wedding. Remember, she ran. And you the and you have
0: you have Brooke Shields dancing with Larry Fortensky because yeah. Elizabeth Taylor is dancing with Michael Jackson.
1: It was a circus beyond belief. I mean, there were. Um, you know, people jumping out of planes, but members of the paparazzi trying to get photographs at Neverland of Michael Jackson at the altar. And Elizabeth did something really smart. She, she wouldn't let anyone take photos of the wedding. And then she sold those photos to finance her own AIDS foundation. So you know, she, it, to me, she's the first celebrity who really made her uh, herself a commodity and used that uh, for her perfume empire, but also for AIDS. And it's not that she was an angel by any means. She was a hugely flawed person. And I think the book seeks to make that clear also.
0: The book is titled Elizabeth Taylor, The Grit and Glamour of an Icon. Kate Anderson Brower is the author. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from SiriusXM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. The book is titled Elizabeth Taylor, the grit and glamour of an icon. She never believed the charges against Michael Jackson.
1: No, I mean, once you were her friend, you were a friend forever. And there's a story in the book about how she tried to whisk him. Well, she did whisk him away from um, his tour in Mexico City and brought him to rehab in the U.K. And there were, you know, doubles and, and, and decoy planes. And it was this cloak and dagger mission she had to try to save him. Um, but obviously it didn't work and i think she saw herself you know as a kindred spirit with michael but neither of them had childhood you know she was up against a lot as a, a young actor there you know at mgm they were drugging the kids i mean like don't forget judy garland elizabeth was the last star to come out of that um, environment and the fact that she survived and lived to be almost 80 years old after a lot of sexism that she faced through the years, there was actually a congresswoman that did, didn't want Elizabeth to come back into the country because of her affair with Richard Burton. I mean, she was called a home wrecker. I mean, just a lot of, I guess for me, you know, as a child of the 80s and just knowing her from supermarket tabloids, I learned the depths of what she was up against. And I think, you know, hopefully that's what readers walk away with, too. She was a survivor.
0: 250 interviews over three years, a lot of celebrities. What stands out? Uh, probably Colin Farrell,
1: who had a, a sort of romantic friendship with Elizabeth at the end of her life, and he would go and visit her at her house. Poetry? in Bel-Air and Yeah, read poetry to her. It's kind of a really sweet love story. Obviously, it wasn't consummated, but, you know, he joked about how if she was younger, they would have definitely dated, you know, but um, he loved her because she's this icon, and she loved him because he reminded her of Richard Burton. So I think there's a I think there's a sweetness to that story, and he has that bad boy image that Richard had as well.
0: How about Travolta?
1: Um, he was very uh, introspective and interesting about her because I said, like, I, to me, I felt that Elizabeth had been. Um, undervalued in a way because she was so beautiful, but she was also an incredible actress and who's Mm -hmm. afraid of Virginia Wolf, you know? And he said, no, that's not true. She -hmm. was actually always thought to be intelligent and everyone knew it. And she, she wasn't a feminist outwardly, but everything she did was what a feminist would do. She wouldn't call herself a feminist, but um, she lived her life as a feminist and she got paid a million dollars for Cleopatra, the first, actor, woman or man to ever get that much money. I mean, she knew her value at a time when women were being underpaid, underestimated, still are, but she was ahead of her time.
0: So here's what I most want to ask Kate Anderson Brower. Why did she keep getting married like i i get it from larry fortensky's standpoint he meets her at betty ford the opera maybe uh, you know he's in love with elizabeth taylor and who the hell cares how many times she's been married because hey i'm gonna get to marry elizabeth taylor the iconic elizabeth taylor but from her perspective why after i don't know two three four five doesn't she say you know what marriage is just not for me
1: It was eight marriages to seven men, um, twice to Richard Burton. And in the book, I have this awesome letter that she wrote to Richard begging him to get back together. I think it was a, it it was a way to escape, you know, like, she, she was always trying to be Mrs. Mike Todd, Mrs. You know, Larry Fortensky, Mrs. John Warner. She wanted an escape from being Elizabeth Taylor and having no privacy whatsoever in her life. And Back then, that was, that was kind of how you did it, was getting married, having a family. She thought she could retreat into that life, and it just never worked. And, you know, her time I when know, she but was Kate, single.
0: Kate, I, couldn't she have had all of the, quote-unquote, benefits of marriage without the certificate <clears> and taking the name?
1: No, because that was the safety, was becoming someone else, I think. In
0: other, other words, know, it, that was, it, shielded, it shielded her from her own identity.
1: Yes, which she had no control over from the age of 12 in National mm-hmm. Velvet. You know, she was, she had a stage mother. Um, this wasn't necessarily the life she wanted, but it was a life she had. And, and this was the only decision she could make was who she was going to marry. It was her only freedom. Um, and that's why she was in the hospital all the time, too, because that was the only way she could rebel against the studios and have, you know, if she didn't work um, that was her means of control, and uh, and so I, I I understand it honestly. Um, I you know she had a lot of tragedy. She was twenty when, by the time she was twenty six, she had been twice divorced and once widowed with three children. So she lived a fast and furious life, and she suffered a lot, and she overcame a lot.
0: How did she amass what was regarded at the time as being the most valuable private jewelry collection in the world? Is it from, from all the husbands buying her jewelry, or because she was so well-paid, she bought it for herself, or a combination of... And people might not remember, but was it Sotheby's or Christie's? Christie's, right? Christie's, yeah, yeah, Christie's. Christie's that, that auctioned it off very famously.
1: Oh, I mean, more than $150 million, the largest oh private jewelry
0: <laughs> collection Incredible.
1: ever. Yeah. Uh, One ring was $8 million. I mean, incredible. She loved jewelry. She, um, she was passionate about it. The jewelry told the story of her life. You know, she was a custodian of her jewelry. If somebody wanted to try on the 33 carat, Diamonds that she you know is her signature ring um, from Richard Burton she would let them try it on I mean she wasn't too precious about the jewelry she wanted people to enjoy it and Demi Moore told me you know this great story she went to our house in Bel Air and Elizabeth laid out you know rubies and emeralds and diamonds on her bed and just went through them and said this is from Richard this is from Mike Todd and you know and Demi Moore was just like this was an incredible walk through old Hollywood and and the twentieth century through Elizabeth's eyes. So the jewelry meant a lot to her. It wasn't just shiny objects. It was the story of her life.
0: What what a what other book could sport on the jacket? Demi Moore, Brooke Shields, Magic Johnson, Andy Cohen, Confession, I don't I don't know Mark UpdeGrove, but okay, him too. Uh, It it really says a lot about those that she collected and got to know along the way. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's a big book. I'm not all the way through, but you can tell already I'm pretty far into it and really enjoying it. I'm glad that you wrote it and came by to talk about it.
1: Well, thank you so much. I always love talking to you,
0: Michael. Thank you. Thank you for that. Kate Anderson Brower, ladies and gentlemen. The book is called Elizabeth Warren, The Grit and Glamour of an Icon hear more of michael smirconish on sirius xm's potus channel 124 live weekdays from 9 a.m to noon east or anytime on the sirius xm app connect with michael on facebook twitter youtube and at smirconish.com book club with michael smirconish new episodes drop mondays wednesdays and fridays
1: bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022